0: T Wolves get their revenge versus OKC and move back into first place in the West. I got expert Jack Borman. He's going to help us break it all down. It's all coming up next on the Lockdown Wolves Postcast.
1: You are locked on Wolves Postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: What's up? What's up? Back in the lab, back at it. Another T-Wolves postcast episode right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's the man, Jack Borman. He's on Twitter, at Jr Borman13. And before we get into all the action, Jack, quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers, you're getting $200 in bonus bets with any $5 bet. $200 when you bet just 5 Check it all out. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on NBA. All right, man. Uh, You know, the last time these two teams played in the same building, it it turned into a laugher, 129-106 OKC. But tonight... Wolves flipped the script. They got their revenge. They held one of the best offenses in the entire NBA to just 101 points. What a fun game, start to finish. It really felt like an absolute war for four straight quarters, man. You could tell just how badly both teams wanted it. And, and you know, it, it's funny. You go into halftime with about as even of a box score and team stats as, as maybe you'll ever see. Nonetheless, Wolves win it. 107, 101. They get their swag back a little bit, find their mojo again, take the lead back. More importantly, in the Western Conference, huge night, huge game. Give us your biggest takeaways. And and for a struggling Wolves team coming into this one, what's a win like this do for this team's confidence and psyche, man?
1: Yeah, I think it's got to do a lot. Considering that if they lost this game, they could have ended up in the four spot in the West. But instead, they're back. They're back atop the West now. Um, you know, which I think. You know, may not seem like a lot, you know, or or may not seem like it matters all that much on just one night in in January here at the end of January. But I'm sure that that has to matter for the psyche and the confidence of this team. And we talked about it uh, the other night that confidence was just a huge thing. And we saw a much more confident Timberwolves team in the fourth quarter. And, um, you know, I think Chris Finch deserves some credit for some of the lineups that he trotted out there tonight, um, especially right away in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, Jaden McDaniels, we haven't seen Jaden McDaniels, um, play at the start of the second or fourth quarters, uh, at all, really this season, he's pretty much Mm -hmm. been a guy that's played the entire first quarter, uh, the entire third quarter, uh, and then kind of come back in with Anthony Edwards in the second half of the second and fourth quarters. But tonight he started, um, both the second and the fourth quarter, which was something new. And I think adding that to, to having Jordan McLaughlin in there is another, Um, You know, it's kind of another pace setter table setter at the start of the fourth quarter, along with Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. It's pretty rare that both of those guys start the fourth quarter together. Uh, They did that tonight alongside uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker. So that five man unit in the fourth quarter um, was just excellent right away off the rip. And and for those guys uh, to go plus nine in the first two minutes and 50 seconds of the fourth quarter um after i think going minus nine in the first two minutes of the fourth quarter uh the other night uh obviously a little bit of a different lineup but that was huge um jordan mclaughlin hit a hit a monster three wide open three uh alexander walker excuse me hit a big corner three uh and then carl anthony towns hit a big three so right after oklahoma city makes three huge threes at the end of the third quarter the timberwolves turn right around hit three big ones at the start of the fourth quarter uh, to kind of even that out a little bit and retake a lead. And, uh, and and with Jordan McLaughlin in there at the start of the fourth quarter, the ball was just moving, right? Like the offense was being initiated in different ways, which is something we talked about the other night. Um, different guys were handling the ball. Guys were moving without the basketball. We were seeing some off-ball screens being set uh, by Rudy Gobert to get Carl Anthony Towns and Jaden McDaniels the ball uh, in that fourth quarter, which was huge. Uh, and then what I really appreciated about this fourth quarter was – if you look at a box score in the fourth quarter, or or even this, if I would have told you that Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards scored a combined 12 points in the fourth quarter and the Timberwolves were down going into the fourth quarter, what would you say? You'd probably say that the Timberwolves would <laughs> lose that fourth quarter, right? Right. But, but that was the exact opposite tonight, right? They scored 34 points in the fourth quarter. Only 12 of them came from their two stars. Uh, Jane McDaniels, f- five points. Uh, had that huge three to go up two uh, with 2.32 to go, and then a tipping to go up six with 45 seconds left. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker had seven, uh, tied the, I believe, tied Anthony Edwards for the the lead in the fourth quarter scoring. Um, had a huge go-ahead mid-range shot, uh, which, was, which was big time. And then Jordan McLaughlin had another awesome, you know, kind of rainbow floater over Chet that was at a pretty monster point in the game. And then you you had that Nas read three that was that was pretty huge off of an Anthony Edwards assist where he drew the defense in at the middle of the floor and kicked out to Nas. So I think you know the way that so many different guys were involved in the offense in that fourth quarter, touching the ball, moving without the ball, um, and the fact that both Ant and Carl got off of the ball early in the fourth quarter really allowed um, really allowed the ball to just flow. Everybody to kind of find a rhythm, uh, feel like they were a part of the action, uh, which which I thought was really important. And then on the other side of the ball in that fourth quarter. Um, Jalen Williams, uh, has been the leading scorer for the thunder so far this season, uh, in the fourth quarter and the wolves did an excellent job on him. He was just one of five for three points in that quarter. Um, and the defense overall as a whole was, was excellent in that fourth quarter, holding Oklahoma city to just 24 points on eight of 19 shooting, uh, which was, which was pretty huge for, for, a you know, half court offense that's been among the league's best, um, so far this season. So for them to be able to do that, um, with some with some pretty interesting defensive adjustments that that we'll talk about that Chris Finch and his staff deserve uh, an overwhelming amount of credit for. Um, but just to see these Timberwolves, you know, come from behind, I think that was only the third loss all season that Oklahoma City has had they their leading going into the fourth quarter. So for, for that to be the case, um, you know, just you have to be really excited about what you saw from the Timberwolves and hope that they've, you know, at least been able to exercise some of these demons now that um, – you know, they were able to find a win on the road, big fourth quarter without without their starting point guard, who they may not have now for, um, you know, for a little bit, especially if they're they're waiting for Conley to get back to 100 percent with that with that bum hammy.
0: Yeah, so many layers I'd love to get into from this one. such an incredible game, but you called it an absolute war. It certainly felt like it. Uh, What more can you say about this defense, man, specifically, and what they just did to one of the best offenses in the league? What stuck out the most? And I guess where I'm going with this is, can you go a little bit more in-depth as far as Finch's defensive game plan? Because putting Jaden on chat turned out to be a really great move and paid huge dividends in the end, didn't it?
1: 100%. And those two guys are pretty similar build, right? Like I actually think Jaden McDaniels might weigh more than Chet Holmgren and Chet Holmgren is maybe an inch taller than, than Jaden McDaniels. Um, So as, as much as people think that that might be like a super out of left field idea, it may seem that way on the surface, but those guys are actually pretty similarly built. Um, But, but yeah, so it started out there, right? Where Chris Finch, um, it started last year in the playoffs uh, where they had Rudy Gobert uh instead of taking an opposing center kind of took um you know another player in the starting lineup that wasn't a very good three-point shooter for the nuggets and aaron gordon to kind of keep rudy gobert around the rim and and deter a lot of uh you know nuggets uh drivers from the rim and and make just kind of clog the paint and ruin the spacing that the that the nuggets had and it worked out pretty well um putting carl anthony towns on a on a burlier bigger Jokic at the five and they they kind of carried the same uh, idea here right so josh giddy coming into this game oh 13 from three over the last six i know the thank you jeff for that uh, i know that michael grady belabored that, that point on the broadcast but um but it worked out really well right josh giddy I, I think was three of three uh to start out in the in the first quarter shooting threes and i think he was two of eight for the rest of the game or, or two of seven for the rest of the game yeah um, and
0: one of those threes how lucky was that man just Barely got over the rim, right? Looked like it was gonna be short, but so
1: yeah. I I was glad that the Timberwolves didn't abandon that game plan, right? And so uh given that Oklahoma City, right? Chet Holmgren is their five, they don't really have a bigger burlier four, right? So Mm -hmm. they put Carl Anthony Towns on Lou Dort, another guy who I mean to Lou Dort's credit, he's been shooting the three pretty well in the high thirties this year, but that's not what he's been his whole career, and his shot mechanics haven't changed this year, so Um, They, again, dared Lou Dort to shoot it and Carl Anthony Towns didn't really try to run him off the line. Um, And that just totally tanked the spacing for the Thunder. The Thunder just weren't able to get to the rim uh, as cleanly tonight as they had been in in some of the previous meetings. Um, And someone like someone said, right, Chet Holmgren in this game, um, you know, only four points on two of nine field goals. He had as many assists as he had turnovers. Uh, Dort was 0 of 7. So Carl Anthony Towns deserves deserves his credit there. And then, you know, I, I really liked the fact that they mixed up who they put on Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Um, Jaden McDaniels uh, saw some time on him, but for the majority of the game, it was it was Nikhil Alexander-Walker, his cousin, uh, Shea Alexander – excuse me, Shea Gilgis-Alexander-Walker. Oh, my goodness. Shea Gilgis-Alexander's cousin, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, that was guarding him for the majority of right. this game. And then when Now was off the floor – it was Anthony Edwards who was taking that challenge. And, and we saw Ant, you know, you never see Ant asked to come out of the game because he's gassed, but he has to come out of the game because he was gassed. At the, I think it was, you know, right near the end of that third quarter um, because he was doing such an excellent job of, you know, at least making Shea work, right? And you want to make these guys work for everything, uh, especially on the second night of a back-to-back for them um and that really showed up i thought in the fourth quarter i thought that the thunder had a really tough time staying with the wolves off the dribble in the fourth quarter and they had an extra difficult time trying to beat guys off the dribble in the half court offensively um you know just with having played yesterday in the road in detroit um and then having to to come back tonight but again for the timberwolves to hold the thunder to shoot 17 of 34 Uh, In the paint by clogging all that spacing and just having a lot of bodies around to contest shots at the rim, especially with Gobert just being parked there in the paint was was incredible. And all of that resulted in the Timberwolves allowing just 81 points in the final 41 minutes and 29 seconds of this game or 41 31 of this game. I mean, to think that the the Thunder scored 20 points in the first six and a half minutes of this game. You you And the Wolves are right there with them. I think at, at 17 or 18, you were thinking this game might be a shootout, right? Mm-hmm. And then for the Timberwolves to just clamp down the way they did, allowing 81 points, the final 41 and a half minutes, that's championship level defense, right? Against one of the team's best half court offenses. And, and obviously, you know, you can say what you want about the Thunder, how young they are, you know, they're inexperienced, yada, yada, whatever. Um, but I mean, the the numbers at this point don't lie like i feel pretty good that oklahoma city's got a good half court offense for the most part um they have really good spacing uh you know even with their non-shooters do a good job of of kind of activating those guys out of the corners to help the spacing for everyone else and they're extremely well coached so for the timberwolves to have a stretch like that of, of prolonged defensive excellence on the road um in a game with you know, pretty big stakes considering what was on the line here for the, you know, see, to tie the season series at two, get revenge for that last game in Minnesota that they pissed away um, was was pretty huge. So uh you just got to clap it up and uh and give some give some snaps for the Timberwolves defense and, and Chris Finch and his staff for, for kind of going outside the box on, on some of the matchups to, to help gain an advantage here.
0: Yeah, well said. And I know you text me at halftime about just how impressed you were with Ant and Cat early on first half kind of thing. And as good as they were, Ant especially, I got to tell you, man, you already mentioned a few of them. Jaden McDaniels, Nah McLaughlin, Nas Reed, even TBJ in the mix for Shake tonight a little bit they all earned some flowers too. So I know Ant's going to be, you know, the game MVP, so to speak, the biggest X factor, but what was your favorite performance from all the role guys who stepped up huge tonight? Because there was a lot of great options tonight, total team effort and team performance that got them the dub. I,
1: I don't, I don't necessarily know if you can, if you can call Rudy Gobert a role sure, guy, I but, get it. I get but it for him yeah. to have 17 yeah. rebounds and make all six of his shots. Um, and just make life really, really difficult for every single Oklahoma City player that got into the paint, um, you know, is is special, man. And, and for him to be so willing to not touch the ball as much as he does and do all the dirty work night in and night out for a number one defense uh, is just a joy to watch, man. And then you see a guy like Nikhil Alexander-Walker step into the starting lineup. And leave everything out there on the floor in the fourth quarter. I don't know what it is about Nikhil, but in the fourth quarter, he just makes every single little play that you'd add, that if a, that a coach would want any of his players to make. Uh, whether it's you know making the right defensive rotation, uh, you know helping get a def- uh, you know a long defensive rebound that's a 50-50 ball, uh, poking the ball away, diving on the ground, taking a charge, making a corner three. You know making the extra pass, all these little things he does perfectly. but I think if I had to give kind of a a, a runner up um, for for role performance, you know we've already talked about Jordan McLaughlin, which was obviously huge, but I thought Jade McDaniels man, um, he's really had some some struggles at different points, especially in the second half of games. we we've, we've talked a lot about how he's had some really good starts and really good first halves of games. Uh, but he hasn't really been a whole much of a or a whole lot of a factor for the Timberwolves in this fourth in the fourth quarter this season. But for him to make that ginormous corner three that I think totally turned the tide of the game, I think put him up too. And I don't think they uh, surrendered the lead after that with two minutes and 32 seconds left. And then for him to, to get active on the offensive glass, which is not something we've seen much from, from him this season, but for him to, to find a great opportunity to corner crash and, and somehow by the grace of God, get that ball in the basket with 45 seconds left to give them the six point lead. I think when you just think about the magnitude of those two plays on the, you know, it's bearing on the final score. I I think that you have to really tip your cap to Jaden, especially after sitting for four or five minutes in that fourth quarter, after picking up his fifth foul, the way that he was able to come right back in the game, stay engaged while he's on the bench and and really be aggressive in the right ways and, and being ready when his number was called offensively was was really, really cool to see tonight and something that, that hopefully we'll be able to to continue because there'll be more opportunities for him if the Timberwolves continue to move the ball, uh, move without the basketball like they did tonight and make the extra pass because he's going to be waiting there in the corner, whether it's to to take a corner three or to pump and drive and, and finish at the rim. I, I think that he's going to have some opportunity here so long as the Timberwolves can, can make this type of play offensively in the fourth quarter become more of the norm than what we've seen in the past with a lot of ball watching off the ball and just dancing and and not really getting off the ball early and and making the Timberwolves really easy to guard. So now they kind of have a fork in the road and it'll be interesting to see uh, which direction the Timberwolves go here uh, after, you know, what, what may very well may be their, their best win of the season so far.
0: Well said. All right. Plenty more deep dive from this one, including Uh, More on Anthony Edwards' huge impact tonight. That's all coming up right after this. Quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers. You're getting $200 in bonus bets when you place any $5 wager. That's $200 in bonus bets when you throw down just $5 on any bet. You will not find a better promo than this one all year, and you don't even have to win. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time to get in on all the action. The app, oh, so easy to use, and they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, over unders, you name it, they got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire NBA season. And it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use. Go check it out for yourself. Visit fanDuel.com slash locked on. That's fanDuel.com slash locked on today. America's number one sports book. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA.
1: Can I just All share? Right. Can I just share two yeah. two quick things that I saw on Twitter Absolutely. here during the break? Absolutely. From, from my from my guy Andrew Carlson over at Canis tonight. The Wolves are twenty and five when Jaden McDaniels shoots fifty percent or better from the floor, and and this one was from John Krasinski via uh you know every, everybody's favorite Marty Gellner. Oklahoma City was twenty eight and one coming into the game when leading going into the fourth quarter. They are now twenty eight and two. The other loss was at Minnesota on November twenty eighth. Stopped so. it. Stop it. Come so on. So that man. is the, that Come is, on, those man. are those are the two, two stats of the night right there.
0: I'll tell you what, you know, for all the recent struggles, the last week or two specifically, man, it just feels like, you know, Wolves fans in the state of Minnesota can sleep easy tonight and just kind of, I don't know, get that monkey off their back, man. Such a huge relief knowing that we can still step up and show up during the biggest games when they need it. So absolutely just an outstanding night for Wolves fan nation. Uh, can you explain to me, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but can you explain to me like I'm five, why Anthony Edwards doesn't get the most normal, basic, obvious vanilla foul calls? Like, I just don't get it, man. I mean, you know a lot more about the NBA. You've been watching a lot more than I have. Monster dunk with two minutes left. SGA all over him, holding on to his arm. Guy swallows the whistle. And, and, you know, if that's how you're calling it that night, that's fine. But when SGA gets the same exact call, night in, night out, you can't blame Ant for being so frustrated out there. Is it is it a ref thing? Is it a league thing? Is it like just personal to Anthony Edwards for some reason, even though I don't know why that would even make any sense? I'm just flinging things out because it just doesn't make a lot of sense, and I'm having a tough time wrapping my head around it, and I know a lot of fans are too.
1: Yeah, I, I think my – only real explanation there is that Anthony Edwards is so strong and never flops. Ant does not flop. If he's falling on the ground or he's having to totally contort his body or change what's happening, chances are it's because he's being contacted. Right. And, and with a player like SGA, I'm not going to sit here and say that he flops all the time, but he just doesn't use his strength all the time in the same way that Ant does, where I think when he gets hit, it, Even marginal stuff, he just falls over, Uh, and and he has he has a Harden-esque ability to. I don't want to necessarily necessarily say trick the refs, Mm -hmm. uh, but a little elusive though. But to embellish the contact in such a way that makes everything look like an obvious foul, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's and it's truly it's truly a skill, and I think that rather than dogging on SGA for, for something like that. I mean, it's more just on the NBA to try to eradicate some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not going to take anything away from SGA. I think he's, he's an awesome player and is generally about the right things. He, he doesn't really complain to the refs like M- MB does after he flops all over the place constantly. I just think for Ant, it's mostly about how strong he is and that he doesn't flop. He doesn't embellish contact and, and yeah, so I, I saw apparently on Twitter, apparently Anthony Edwards willingly ate a fine uh, in his post-game press conference or post-game uh, you know, hit there with Leah B. Olson on Valley. I didn't, I didn't listen to any of the audio, mm-hmm. but but apparently he he went in on the referees and he's got every right to be frustrated, man. I mean, SGA 16 free throws, uh, yeah, obviously he got fouled on you know half those, a, few, a little more than half those. But if Anthony Edwards, instead of having four free throws tonight, had probably the 10, 11, 12 that he should have had, you're looking at Ant having 33 or 34 points and, and Ant had 27 instead tonight, SGA had 37. And that's really the difference between SGA being, you know, one of the two or three leading scorers in the NBA and Anthony Edwards being in this kind of uh, second tier, second class scorers of guys that are in that 25, 26, 27 points per game uh, scoring range. So, you know, we'll see if that continues to change. I don't think it has anything to do with the way that Ant reacts to foul calls, because if you look at the way Luka Doncic and Joel Embiid and Jason Tatum just constantly whine and complain and scream and cry at all these refs every single time up the floor that they don't get a foul. Pretty much every single time they miss a shot um, or turn it over. They're begging for a foul call and Ant's just not like that. I mean, obviously he'll clap at refs. He'll get mad, but I think more often than not, Ant, it has a point when he's frustrated. Um, So I think all that is is kind of what it is at this point. I think it's mainly just that he's so strong um, is the best answer I can give you.
0: What's your impression? I know we kind of cherry pick some of these other role guys, but what's your impression and evaluation of Noss since he's been here? And and how much has he grown from last year to now in this role? Because his off-ball defense continues to stick out for me in a good way. And I think – more and more he gets real playing time with Conley out now, the the more he's just going to be able to develop and grow into just an even better overall player and, and be that next lead guard in the lineup consistently for long stretches if needed. But give me your snapshot, just kind of scouting report on him, because if he can develop these raw skills that
1: he's got, that's a huge plus for this team, isn't it? It totally is. I mean, and the thing for Nikhil is, you know, he was kind of in that awkward stage where by the time it was about you know he developed his game as a rookie and as a second year player and that he was getting ready to kind of try to make his mark uh, play more minutes he got traded to utah and then even in utah in a rebuilding situation he didn't play a whole lot and so for him to be able to really kind of grow into this role and just play extremely hard in a smaller role last season after he was acquired and and I don't necessarily want to call it garbage time because that's not necessarily what it was with different guys in and out of the lineup he just made it really hard for coaches not to play him and then as the Timberwolves started to have injuries um, he was just really ready and capitalized his opportunity by just playing really hard and doing all the little things the right way and then obviously in the playoffs had had you know a, a much more uh, elevated role and was asked to do more offensively and still played within himself really well and was a double-digit scorer on really good efficiency in addition to incredible on-ball defense on jamal murray and so for him this season i think it was all about just carrying over that confidence right he it was the same coaching staff pretty much the same rotation for the most part he knew all these guys he knew exactly how he fit in around all those guys what was going to be asked of him and and he hadn't really had that for the last, you know, two, three years of his career, which are pretty foundational, you know, seasons in your NBA career when you're still on your rookie contract. And so uh for him to to really hit the ground running in a new situation where he's asked to do more, it's more high leverage, right? With the Timberwolves being a playoff caliber team and then playing in the playoffs. I think this season was probably just easy for him, right? You know, I think it's a similar situation for any of us, right? If we've kind of bounced around a few jobs and and we don't really know how we feel about ourselves as as professionals, what's going to be asked of us every day, what our job's going to look like day in, day out. then you kind of find a job that you really like, you really enjoy, people around you make sense, you feel like you're valued, you feel like the work that you're doing matters and that it it fits in well with the mission and and what's going on with the company. Uh, And then you can do that for two months, four months, six months, eight months, 10 months, 12 months, like you're just going to feel better and more confident about what you're doing and make more of an impact. And I think for Nikhil, that's exactly what it is. Right. And, and whether he's playing on the ball, off the ball, uh, he's just got such good communication, such good instincts, timing uses his length really effectively. Uh, His agility and the way he fights over screens is incredible. I mean, Jaden McDaniels and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, might be two of the best five guys in the entire league at navigating screens. And for the Timberwolves to have, you know, both of them and be able to kind of interchange how they want to play those two. um, And the fact that those two guys are equally good off the ball as they are on the ball, it's, it's an incredible luxury to have. And, um, you know, and the fact that the Timberwolves have other good defenders around them, I think allows those two to be more opportunistic and pick their spots about when they want to be aggressive and try to jump a passing lane or, or make a play, uh, you know, away from the ball that, uh, I, I think can really jumpstart this team, get them out in transition, help get some easy buckets, which, you know, with the Timberwolves offense being what it is this year, that that's certainly always going to be welcome. So it's been, been really fun to see him kind of hit his stride and, and find his, uh, you know, kind of find his niche here and, and being, the, being the man in the fourth quarter, which has been uh, been really fun to watch the last few weeks. All
0: right, quick look at the schedule on deck, and that's all coming up right after this. Quick reminder, tonight's episode of Locked on Wolves Postcast is brought to you by Quiz. Quiz is a next generation trivia experience. It's also the world's first platform where you can earn money playing knowledge games. And for Lockdown Wolves fans, they've created an NBA quiz game where you can test your knowledge and win real cash. Play with friends or other fans and let your knowledge shine all the way to the bank. And you can play without downloading anything. Just go to app.quiz.com and start playing today. NBA Quiz. Is the ultimate knowledge challenge for fans that live and breathe basketball? And I've personally had so much fun playing it. Just go to app.quiz.com to test your knowledge and win cash today. That's quiz with three eyes, just like a three pointer. Play now, showcase your skills, and take home cash prizes. app.quiz.com, where fans become champions. Can I get a quick 60 seconds on this OKC team, man? I, I know we've done some game previews, and, and this is the fourth matchup now, but how different is this OKC team versus the OKC team we saw in the first three matchup? Earlier this year, in your opinion, and I guess like what have you just learned the most in these four games now? Like a little bit bigger sample size to chew on where are the Wolves biggest mismatches and, and, you know, what are OKC's biggest weaknesses? They need to try and expose more because there's definitely a world now where these two teams meet again in the playoffs. And that might be, man, just on paper as of now, you know, after watching what we just watched, that might be one of the best matchups come May and June.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, if you want to, if you want to look at mismatches, uh, the first, the first one is is pretty obvious, pretty glaring. Oklahoma city is, is 29th in both, in both offensive rebounding percentage and defensive rebounding percentage. And so that that's why it was so frustrating in the second, third quarter when Oklahoma city was getting all these offensive rebounds, Oklahoma city had eight offensive rebounds for 11 uh, second chance points. And all 11 of those second chance points kind of came at big points when Oklahoma city was going on a run. And so for the Wolves to come back and have nine offensive rebounds for for 15 second chance points by themselves, uh, and then and then ultimately win on the glass 45 to 38, uh, was really important. And the Timberwolves have to do a, a much better job, I think, in my opinion, moving forward if they were to play them in a playoff series of, of capitalizing on how big they are. I mean, Chet Holmgren obviously is is a is an excellent rim protector, but he is rail thin. And the fact that Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert is not really posting up many guys and, and really having his way on the block with guys, but he does with Chet Holmgren, like you saw in that dunk in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah. They don't really have a backup center either that provides any type of a presence. So um, the Timberwolves have to do a better job of taking advantage there. Um, and then I think another place that they they really have an advantage is offensively. They have a bunch, or defensively, they have a bunch of different guys that you can throw. Uh, At SGA to try to make his life difficult. Right. And I think that, uh, that the Thunder have two guys in their starting lineups that I think most, uh, defenses do not really respect, uh, in terms of their jump shooting ability and Lou Dort and and Josh Giddey. And so if the Timberwolves are able to play off those guys kind of play, make SGA and Jalen Williams play in a crowd and force those guys to make tough three point shots. Um, you know, they shot six of 10 tonight collectively from, from three, those two players, but uh, I think they do much more of their damage on the drive, especially getting into the paint. I think they did a great job of, for the most part, keeping those guys out of the paint and, and forcing them to make tough shots. And so that's going to be an area where uh, the Timberwolves need to do better if they play them again in the playoffs. And then on the other side of things for Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City is a phenomenal team in, ter- in terms of turning opponents over in the half court and then turning those turnovers into points on the other end of the floor. They do a great job of of running in transition. And so that's an area that the Timberwolves have actually been pretty good in this season in terms of their transition defense. That's arguably been, you know, the thing they've turned around the most this season compared to last season. Um, You know, if you, if you want to nitpick at a specific area of defense um, and and so uh, the fact that Oklahoma city tonight, you know, seven fast break points, the wolves also had seven fast break points. Minnesota did a great job of kind of mitigating that. Um, and, and again, I mean, Oklahoma City had 14 points off of 13 Wolves turnovers, but, you know, the fact that the Wolves were able to take 11 off of 12 Oklahoma City turnovers, you got to feel pretty good about, you know, just being minus three in that matchup. So uh, I think that it's 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 really kind of an interesting game of, of strength on weakness, right, where these two teams, um, you know, really are are kind of opposites in, in some capacities, but then again, think if you think about it this way, right? Like Minnesota has a correctable problem in terms of turnovers, right? You'd think that with the personnel they have, they'd be able to figure some of that out. But Oklahoma City, I mean, they don't have the infrastructure to 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 just be bigger, right? They have to go make a trade and give something up and, and start to dip into this massive war chest that they have of assets to go improve their team. And so I don't know that Sam Presti will. I think he's constantly, you know, has the longest view in the room um, from, you know, from some people I've talked to that that cover the thunder. So we'll see if they end up doing that or not. But, um, yeah, I really like the wolves chances in a playoff series, just because I think they have a lot more offensive talent and, you know, the wolves did lose 25, 21, uh, on, on, in terms of bench scoring tonight, but, but the thunder don't really have any bench players that offer them really consistent scoring off the bench. And so, uh, it'll be really interesting to see how these two teams try to you know, address some of their weaknesses at the trade deadline, because there are clear opportunities for them to do so. It's just going to be a matter of whether that, you know, both sides feel that, um, you know, it's going to be worth whatever they have to give up to go and do it. All right. Last one real quick. We got to get
0: out of here. 60 seconds schedule coming up. Finally, back at home for three straight Mavs, Magic, Rockets, then Bulls, Bucks, Clippers, All on the road. Obviously, this OKC game was the one everyone had circled on the schedule for quite a while now. But when you see the next week or so coming up, what's something that sticks out the most, or you know, which matchup or game are you most intrigued or excited about?
1: I think for me, it's got to be Luca, right? Um, You know, just with the way he's playing. Obviously, scored seventy-three points the other night. Uh, He's just been on a historic tear. Uh, They have Kyrie Irving back in the lineup now. Uh, Kyrie got hurt right after. I think the Timberwolves played them. Um, down in Dallas, and so he, he's back, and, and that'll be really fun. Just as another test of this Wolves perimeter defense versus, you know, two of the two of the best perimeter scorers in the history of basketball uh, is, is always a super fun treat. Another team that, that the Wolves are going to be able to try to punish inside and and make up for you know for what I thought was a, a rather disappointing loss last time they played in Dallas. So that'll be a, that'll be a fun matchup on uh, Target Center off the heels of of this win, kind of riding high on Wednesday night.
0: Well said. Well done tonight, as always. Wolves maybe lose the battle. They win the war, though. They take down the Thunder on the road. Still first place back in the Western Conference, led by Ants, 27 points tonight. Back at home Wednesday versus the Mavs. Tip-off for that one, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. As always, huge shout-out to everyone that joined us in the postcast tonight. Always love the feedback, the comments after every game, and rest assured, We're going to be back each and every game, same time, same place, right here to break it all down. Remember, you got to go check out all of Jack's work on Twitter, at jrborman 13 and make sure you check him out on the Minnesota Basketball Party each and every Wednesday with the full crew, Sam Ekstrom, Gophers legend Ron Johnson, Carol Evans, Reggie Wilson, and if you haven't already, Ben Beacon, ripping it up over on the Locked on Wolves podcast each and every day as well. That'll do it for us tonight. He's Jack Borman. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Until next time,
1: signing out.